Good morning. We're dealing with, uh, with understanding prophecy. And we're learning from it. Don't you think that it's because I'm teaching that I know everything about it? I want you to know that I'm learning with you on this subject because it's very important in the life of any person that loves Jesus Christ. In Revelation 19.10, said the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I mentioned to you that uh, the first act of ministry that Jesus performed uh, by prophesying, speaking into the life of Nathaniel, uh, in, in John 1.45, he says, And you shall see heaven open. You're going to see heaven open and people healed, delivered, set free in the next three and a half years. And so... The spirit of prophecy, it is a manner of the Holy Spirit that applies to everybody. You don't have to be a prophet. As you prophesy, edify, build, and comfort people, you tempt the Holy Spirit sees your commitment to the kingdom. He moves you toward receiving a visitation, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit called the spirit of prophecy. And it begins to work in your life. The four daughters of Philip prophesied. Now, they were daughters. They were young people, and they prophesied, meaning that it is a revelation. It doesn't come. It's not something you think, you rationalize, you sort of memorize. It's God speaks to you, and it comes in. And the purpose of it is to uh, encourage, to build, to, to correct, to inspire, to, to build up. Uh, and so we shared this with you this last days, uh, yesterday. Today, we're going to uh, move into the ministry of the prophet. The whole 30 minutes will be de dealing with the ministry of the prophet. Now, the prophet is according to uh, Ephesians 4, 11. And he calls some to be teachers, pastors, evangelists. Prophets and apostles. That's the apostle Paul opened this possibility that in the kingdom of God. Now, you know, it, it takes different forms. In the, in the Baptist church, you got to be 75 years old, and when things get rough, uh, old men get up and says, "I just believe that God has a word for you," and and there it is. In the Methodist church, the same way, they'll never call him a prophet because you know we don't want to be Pentecostal about this, you know. Uh, but, but. Uh, there's a man that I met somewhere uh, in Nashville uh, at a conference we went there. Uh, and I don't know if I remember an older man that, that's been in the Methodist Church for a long time. Do you remember, John? He, he, Maxie Dunham. Now, Maxie Dunham simply just gently sat with me and said, Now, Rick, let's talk about this a little bit. And, uh, and there was a lot of wisdom in him and... Uh, and I love in him, but he, he, after it was over, the conversation about 30, 40 minutes, he spoke to me about something. So, what is the office of a, a prophet? First of all, it's call of God. You don't get trained, go to seminary to be educated, to become one. It is an office that God chooses. You do not feel a desire 
to be a prophet. Uh, you have no choice. God picks you. Now, the gift of the Spirit is for ministry. In other words, if I am uh, in, in serving God in that area, the Spirit of prophecy, the Spirit of God comes to me with a message to the church, to a person, to a situation, writing a book. And For instance, I, I want to tell you, I wrote a book called uh, Pray with Accuracy. Couple hundred pages, and uh, when I started writing, I felt an anointing about it, and uh, and I went back into uh, school days, and I saw the pods in front of me, and I just did the chapters, and then I began to write, and I tell you, it, it, was, it, it was I just kept on writing. I gave Frank a pail to read it. I gave uh, uh, John John Freeland to read it. Uh, I gave uh, I don't know. I think it was uh, I, a lot of people. A bunch of people begin to several of my friends who began to to read it, and and the response was phenomenal. And and I began to write and write, and it came out came out of my spirit. There was something prophetic in that sense that as I wrote, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, and I was able to bring things to light that I've experienced in the last 40 years. So, what is the purpose of the message? To reveal, to guide, to judge, to rebuke. It's the, it's the office of the prophet. You know, uh, a man uh, lived a worldly life, and he approached... Uh, David Nutter in Atlanta. And David said uh, to him, I hope that you will be uh, brought to memory of how heaven, hell looks like. Because you are getting ready to graduate into hell. Uh, you don't change. You're the same. You treat your body horribly. You treat your life horribly. And, uh, and there, is, there is hell coming at you from the Lord. And, of course, that man was offended, but years later, uh, met, uh, met David Nutter, and he was completely blessed of the Lord, completely blessed of the Lord, and, uh, and everything changed. Amen? So, so the prophet then is the custodian of the words of God. He's a custodian of the words of God. He... He, he stands waiting on the Lord to speak. And, uh, and God speaks to this person uh, in a powerful way. But there's a disconnect because the person cannot in no sense or nothing in his mind uh, rationalize and, and, and criticize and look back at God and say, this is uh, uh, not a... a, a, a not, not proper, and I don't think we should do it. That's not what never happened. In other words, when God speaks, it, it's out of your mouth, and there's nothing you can hold to bring it back. Now, let me deal with a little bit with the accuracy of the prophet, because, you see, the, 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 the prophetic word has to be accurate. It just is one of the things that identify the prophet is that the word is accurate. It's accurate. 
It's beautiful. And uh, in Jude verse 11, I wonder if you guys can join me now with your Bibles. And uh, uh, Jude is, uh, has one chapter just before Revelations. And in verse 11 uh, says this. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. Okay. Now, a person who believes in God and religion is the way of Cain. Someone that is uh, uh, geared toward mental exercises of the truths of God. That's the way of Cain. And then it says, have run greedily in the earl of Balaam for profit. And perished in the perished in the in 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 the in the rebellion of Korah, and of course the rebellion of Korah, Balaam was blind, and began to persecute the men of God. His name was Aaron, uh, the brother of Moses. And Korah gained in the rebellion. And uh, amazing, it didn't work too well for Balaam in this rebellion. So uh, let me just uh, continue here. I mean, amen. So accuracy is important. Seeks to speak the will of God is not a small thing. What hinders accuracy? The first thing. That hinders accuracy is doctrinal error, bitterness, rejection of self. If you are prophesying or ministry in prophecy, you must guard yourself from these things. Uh, James 3.12 says, Can the fig tree bear olive berries? Either a vine figs. So can no fountain yield salt water and fresh water? Our wells must be clean. Our wells must be clean. And, and, and looking at my life and the experience that I've had, I have noticed that, that I'm required to be clean. And it's not it's easy. It's not difficult. It's difficult. It's not easy. Because it, being clean meaning you'll be in the state of repentance. You simply need to repent continuously to God every single day in order to not Quench the Spirit so He can do what He is uh, uh, calling you to do. So here are the roadblocks, and I have several of them. The first one is fear of men. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. Fear of men. Fear of men is a snare. It's a bait. Some of us are afraid of others. Go ahead, John. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of the Lord is a snare, right? But who put the trust in the Lord shall be safe. So a fear of man, it makes you, uh, it's an iron ring in the nostril of a beast. Fear of man leads us around like we have a ring on our nose. We are, we are subjected to somebody else because of who they are. 
we below them and we feel like they're higher and we're lower. And we simply seem to lose our perspective as to who is in charge. Fear of men causes you to respect the wrong person. It is a very, uh, very difficult situation for us today because we're constantly afraid of a superintendent, of a bishop, of a leader of the church. We don't have the freedom of the Lord to do what God calls us. And the fear of man quenches. It's a roadblock to the move of the prophetic. Number two, rejection or fear of rejection. We begin to minister to others out of our hurt. We minister to other people out of our hurt, not our, our potential. And so we have this fear of rejection in us. And, and when you minister out of your hurt, what happens is you understand hurt, and so you try to put people in the category that you are. You can't be where they are in their category of need. You bring them into your category of need. means you minister out of your hurt. The third uh, is personal opinion, self-opinion. And it comes out of narrow-mindedness. In other words, you cannot be a good prophet and be self-opinionated. You can't have your idea as the only way that this can be done. You have to sort of uh, understand that God expresses himself through the Holy Spirit in different ways in the life of different people. Okay? Uh, for instance, a, 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 a person who, who uh, is a theologian, loves the Lord and studies the Bible all the time, he has a different approach to the prophetic. But God uses that man in the same way or that woman in the same way. So, but when you become self-opinionated about what you think that it is and you force people to fit into it in, in the... Uh, God's, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Number four, bitterness. One of the major, one of the major blockers of the prophetic. It removes spiritual authority. Anger quenches your testimony. Clutter direction. And so you can't have bitterness, angry, anger. America today is divided because the Republicans hate the Democrats and the Democrats hate the Republicans. And there's a lot of hate. Hate that is uh, in the people. There's a half of our nation that it hates and half of our nation that, that, uh, uh, that doesn't hate. They love the president. They hate the president. They hate the Democrats. Democrats hate the... You see, uh, a bitterness stops us from hearing God as to the future of America, as to what's going to happen with America. You know, I don't see the Russians uh, hating. They're just uh, perverting. They're just uh, doing their thing to rattle and to, and, to, and to kill and destroy and to rob. And, and that's the way the, 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 the godless Russians do. And we uh, Americans, Christian Americans, a Christian nation, uh, decided to begin hate each other. Let me tell you, this is the beginning of the end if it doesn't stop. And so bitterness quenches the voice of God to America. Number five, respecter of persons. The religious spirit in this sense 
is that the high priest carries the stones of the of the of the the twelve tribes on his chest. He, he, he is he is he is saying by having the twelve stones, which are the twelve tribes of of, of Jacob, uh, the tribes of Israel, by having the stones on his chest, he is saying, saying, "I am a priest of all the all the tribes." There's no division. And if you remember when uh, when Joshua took the land. And they began to conquer the land. The distribution of the land was done in the direction of God. And so here we are uh, respecting each other. Respect a person means I can't do something that God is calling me because I might offend someone that I know. You know, I had a lot of problems with that. I must confess to you, that's one of my problems was uh, this religious spirit that just assailed me all the time. I seem to, and after I begin throwing water on anybody who shows up when God tells me to, things stopped. And so, and so I became free. I became, uh, I began to hear the Word. I began to hear God. I began to, uh, to minister out of, the, out, of, out, of my, uh, out of my spirit flowing. And I began to be more free and more, more, more joyful and, and not so, so, so trying to please people. Now, I'll tell you right now, there's not a single person alive that I have to respect. I respect God and what He tells me to do and, and be, be able to be in peace with all men. So, when He's a religious spirit, there's a lot of problems. We should carry the whole church of God and not our denomination. You know, uh, I heard a story about a Baptist. And he said, I'm a Baptist born, Baptist bred. And I'll die Baptist. I'll be Baptist dead. I'll be, in other words, I'm Baptist born, Baptist bred, and I'll be Baptist dead. You see, it, it, it closes you from somebody else. How about the assemblies of God? How about, you probably say, Rick, I don't like the Pentecost, but wait a minute now. In Brazil, the largest revival in, the, in, 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 the, in North America, in South America, uh, uh, the number one church that brings souls to Christ better than anybody else is the Assemblies of God. So don't knock it. They're growing faster than any individual church. And there are five mega churches that have over 5 million members. The Assemblies of God is in the 20, 25 million members. I mean, how can you knock them? You have, you, you, you have to accept that God is blessing them. When you respect persons, you become a Methodist who won't do anything about this and about that. And, and you're a Baptist that is narrow-minded about who you are. And that's the only way to go to heaven is become a Baptist like us. And you see, this creates a problem. You are, it quenches the Spirit of God. Uh, idolatry, in this sense, removes you from receiving the prophetic Word of God. You will never be blessed when you are a denominational wizard. You'll never be blessed. A skilled prophetic minister can deliver the heart of God without partiality. James 2.9 says, But if he have respect of persons, he, can, he commits sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Read this, James, uh, uh, John or, or, or Matt, James 
I want you to read from your King James. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Yes. If you respect persons, you commit sin. No joke. Why? Because it quenches the Spirit of God. How can the Spirit of God minister to you about the need of someone? You can't do it. Because you, 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 you're uh, respecting what that person thinks. I've never been able to use by God until my tongue got loosed. When my spirit got loosed. I'm not tongue-tied anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. Now you say, Rick, but uh, how long? About 20 years or 30, 25, 30 years. And you say, Rick, but you're just a very grotesque. You're just too, 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 uh, too out of proportion with balance and reason. Yes, I am. I agree with you. I'm totally out of proportion. Why? Because it's not me that is doing the ministry. It is the Holy Spirit through me. So how can I do better than what the Holy Spirit does through me? I'm not going to improve on that. I'm going to be defeated because I'll quench the Spirit of God. And what I'm saying to you is, is when you are in that mode to where you speak the words of God in a congregation, you preach the words of God in a congregation, the fruits are many. And people come forward to receive Christ. Hundreds of them. We baptized 400 in Cuba almost every trip. And God just baptized the, the, the people of God, Christians, for the first time being, being baptized. You know, in Cuba, uh, the way they uh, conduct baptism, the father, when he's saved, he brings his youngest son or his youngest grandson. And, and he puts the son on his chest. And he goes down the water backwards. And the man behind take him up. There's five men, strong men. So I'm standing this way, okay? And this man is right here facing that way. He's going to fall that way. And all I do is to push and he'll just, he'll just drop it. And the, and, the, and the man behind me picked it up and bring him up. And uh, why do they bring the grandchildren? It's because they want the blessing they are getting at that very moment to extend to their whole family. So if you are respect a person's person and you keep on pleasing people, you quench the Spirit of God. Very important. It's a sin. Amen? It's a sin. Now finally, number six, what one of the uh, one of the, uh, I named uh, roadblocks, right? The final one is human compassion. You know, I couldn't understand that as I began to study this subject. I couldn't understand. What do you mean by human compassion? Compassion on that which God is judging, it's a sin. Read Matthew 16, 23, and I'll show you a clear example of that. 16:23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense unto me, 
For you savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. All of that because he told his disciples he must suffer and die in Jerusalem. And Peter rebuked Jesus. What did, what did he say? Read that, John. He said, oh, I flipped away from Read. it. You still got it? I flipped yeah. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be unto you. That's right. And Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. I'm following my father's direction here. I don't want to listen to your uh, concern about my health. I came to die, and I'm going to do so for, to save humanity. So human compassion cannot dictate the flow of the prophetic. Because the flow begins as God brings you into an a, a area to where He's going to do something. Right away, the Holy Spirit begins to prepare the environment. Uh, you begin to discern what's around you. There's 15 people here. There's 20 people there. There's 10 people here. The next thing He does, you receive a word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge says simply back, past, and present. This man has been waiting a long time to hear God. And he has to hear God as to this situation because he, he will not survive unless God speaks to him today. Word of knowledge, past and present. Then you begin to look and see that he is in a posture of ministry. He lifts his hands. He is crying silently, waiting for the Lord to clear his mind about something. At that moment, you're just sitting there watching him, watching the environment, watching other people pray. And you notice that behind him there's a woman, uh, and she is in, uh, uh, squeezing her fingers tightly, and she is praying that God will speak to her husband, the children all around him. And suddenly the prophet, looks to the Lord and says, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that uh, you have a word for this man today, for he is desperate to hear from you. And suddenly, boom! You shall leave this job, for this job robs you from family and robs you from the presence of God. I haven't called you to make money and remain an adulterous uh, uh, and a, a, a lover of money. You love money more than you love me. And for that reason, I prophesy you shall lose this job. And you will be a blessing to me in my way, in the ways I will do. And I will provide you a job to where you will be in my presence on Sundays. You'll be with your children on the weekends. And you will not be a slave of the world in order to retire with a million dollars. Thus says the Lord. Now, Monday this man goes to... Uh, to uh, his uh, job, and he's fired on the spot. He runs to the church and comes to me and says to me, Brother brother Rick, is that what the Lord doing? I said, yes. Now go home and wait. Another job will come. And suddenly by Wednesday, he comes to the altar. I've just been offered a position that is the best position I ever could have. I just want to thank him. This, he, kne he knelt down and kissed my foot. That's what they do it in Brazil. And so I told him, you don't do that. I have nothing to do with it. I just spoke what I heard. 
and I'm just a sinner as much as you, and I probably love money like you did love money, so I'm guilty, and, I, and I'm a sinful man. You'd give God, glory to God. And I said that in a loud voice to all the people that were around me, and everybody heard, and I got out of there scared to death because I, I, I needed to do that to 10 or 15 other people, and I, and I don't want to do that because I want to hear God. I don't want to please anybody. I want to make sure that, and so I run away. I don't know how many times that happened in a period of 40 years, but I can tell you hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds. The prophetic ministry of the Holy Spirit, it is the edge of evangelism. It is the, the, the most powerful expression of evangelism you can have in the life of the church. When you go to rekindle the flame, all the people that I see there, I have given a word one of them or, 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 or 50% or 60% of those who are attending. Now, you probably say to me, Rick, you don't have a church. But if I had, I'd, I'd be preaching every Sunday. But you see, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a, a preacher. I'm not uh, an evangelist. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a apostle. As you get older, you move in all of them, all of them. You're a little bit of an apostle. You're a little bit of a prophet. You, you're an evangelist. And you, uh, you do a little pastoral work like last night, and, and, and you are a teacher. So it simply means that I'm approaching the day when the Lord will call me. And it's a wonderful thing that I'm tasting all of it. I hope that you will remain with us on Monday as we get back to normal. Amen? Amen. The Lord bless you.